We started First Peter two weeks ago and we talked about the election of God's people and the blessings we have and how God gives us birth, how God separates us from the world and the people of the world. We have an inheritance that's incorruptible, it's righteous in its own. It cannot fade away, it cannot be taken away, it cannot be defiled, it's reserved in heaven for us. Christ is there preparing a place for us. It's there in the day of the resurrection. We shall inherit our home in heaven above in body, soul, and spirit. And it says we're kept by the power of God through faith. We made mention last week that that faith is not speaking of our faith. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of God. It comes from being born of the Spirit of God. The faith spoken of here that we're kept through is the faithfulness of Christ, God who declared the end from the beginning, Christ who came into the world to fulfill the work the Father gave Him to do, and the great love, the passion that He had to die for the sins of His people. We're kept in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We're kept in the power of Christ, the faithfulness of Christ. And that will be revealed in the last time when we're raised up from the grave again, body, spirit, and soul. We shall see Him as He is. Verse 6, we talked about rejoicing. Even though we're in heaviness through manifold temptations and, and afflictions and tribulations, the things that Satan attacks us with, the thoughts of our heart, the things from our nature, each man's being different because we're led away of our own lust and each of us are different. We'll talk about that later on. A little bit maybe by the fact that we're stones, we're all different, we're all changed by the things around us as we live in this world. And we talked about the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. Though it be tried with fire, the Lord told His people, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. We are chosen of God. The furnace of affliction that brings to mind the fire and the trial of our faith that as we walk through this world walking by the faith that God gave us by the Spirit as we worship and sit under the sound of the Gospel and praise and honor Him in song and prayer and learn of Him and we are made strong in the knowledge which is brought to light through the preaching of the Gospel. As we face these things and as we look to Christ, and as Christ brings us through them, the psalmist said, The Lord hath lifted me up from the miry clay. That's God taking man from the dust of the earth where He created him. That's God taking man from the sin of the earth. And that's God picking us up each day and holding us and embracing us and loving us and caring for us no matter what happens or what we face in this world, 
no matter the fiery darts of Satan and the wicked, that Christ carries us through each and every one. And on the final day, when Christ appears in the eastern sky, and we see our Savior as He is in His glory, that our hearts would cry out in awe and admiration of this One who loved us. Remember that, because that's where we're fixing to go. And saved us when we could not be saved without Him, morally bankrupt, unable to stand, unable to get up, unable to hear, unable to eat of this meat, unable to drink of His Spirit, except in Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see Him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy and speak full of glory, because we, we rejoice in trial and tribulation, knowing full well that we suffer for Christ's sake, knowing full well that Christ suffered for our sake. We're about to talk about that, Lord willing. And we have a great joy as we suffer persecution in this world, knowing that we suffer because He loves us. And that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be at the day of the resurrection, the day of the manifestation of the sons of God when body, spirit, and soul are together again. Those sufferings in this world are not worthy, catch that word, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us when Christ glorifies us fully. Receiving the end of your faith, even the satisfaction of your souls. And here's where I stopped last week. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. That's why I tell you God does not have faith like a man because God saw the end from the beginning. God declared the end from the beginning. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. God sees. Okay? We're given faith. It's a gift that we might walk in faith and know God and have peace in this world and believe on the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The end of our faith... When this body is laid down, our spirit is with Christ. We see Him immediately. We will not have faith anymore. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, when this body is raised up from the ground, and when it is reunited with the spirit and soul, your soul is your living being, the body's dead, it's laid down, when they're reunited on the day of the resurrection, we will possess faith in our spirit, body, and soul no more at all. No more. For we will not need faith, for we shall see the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, in His glory. 
There will no be no more faith. So he's talking about the end of our faith and the salvation of your souls. Now here's where we're coming to. Of which salvation, eternal life, eternal life, living beyond this world of sin and death and persecution. The first man God created was persecuted of Satan. When there were four people mentioned in Scripture, oh, we know there were more. They were grown. They weren't teenagers. They were married and had families. But the Bible mentions four people. And when the Bible mentions four people, when there were only four people there in the text at hand, there was a murder. There was persecution. There was death. We see all the persecution that led up to Genesis 6 and all the sin and all the evil. We see what was due upon death and man that came from Adam and depravity. We see the nation of Israel which God chose to manifest His power and His sovereignty in choosing a people and setting His love upon them. And they were sinners. Every prophet in every persecution, because those people that God chose were persecuted. They were in the bondage of Egypt. They were bitterly afflicted by taskmasters. They go from there and by their own hands they come forth into a time of desolation where they're in bondage of other nations. It never got any better. These prophets and these men, God would give them space from time to time to worship Him. He would touch a remnant, a few of His people, just as He does today, who would be enabled to, to worship Him through revelation that He would reveal Himself to them in Christ. I know Christ was not yet incarnate in this world. He was pre-incarnate, but the Spirit of Christ which was in them, we'll talk about that too, did signify beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory. Of which salvation the prophets, you go to Daniel 9.23, you see Daniel crying out to God, a man who was a prophet, in bondage with the nation of Israel, seeking the knowledge of God. There's a lot been said the last three sermons about seeking the knowledge of God. The peace we have in the knowledge. Daniel was in Babylon. Daniel was held captive. No matter the circumstances of how God blessed him, the people of Israel were in bondage just as they had been in Egypt. Okay, This hurts a child of God. This hurts a prophet. This hurts a minister today when God's children are carried away in the Babylons of the world. He sought the Lord. He sought the knowledge of the Lord. God blessed him. He humbled himself. He declared, we're sinners. We're not worthy of thy love and thy grace and thy mercy. I'm a sinner. My father was a sinner. My whole inheritance is sin all the way back to Adam. And God blessed him. And God gave him the knowledge that he sought. I'll butcher it. I think it says 70 weeks. 
70 weeks, Daniel 9, 24. 70 weeks, that's 490 years, are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. That's Jerusalem. That's where the church was established at that time. We live in the holy city of New Jerusalem. To finish the transgression. The transgression of the rebellion of His people and the Jews. Their rejection of Christ. And also to finish the transgression because Christ would enter the world and would do away with your sin. If you love God, then you know God. If you know God, then you're born of God. If you're born of God, then God gave you life because Christ died for you because you stand upon, as we started in verse 2, you stand among the elect of God. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. Christ took away your sins. Somebody mentioned yesterday Him being the propitiation for the sins of God. That's like the mercy seat. In the mercy of God, the blood of Christ in order to have remission for our sin was not spilt, shed upon us. It was purposely placed upon you. God sees your sin no more. You are holy and without blame before God the Father in love. Yes, we still sin. Yes, we're still sinners. Yes, we feel our sin. We feel shame. We feel that we have betrayed our Lord. We feel guilty as we live in this world. And this body of sin is still inhabited with our spirit and soul. But God does not see your sins. It's put away. Period. He sees it no more. He'll never see it again. He loves you. Christ died for you. He finished the transgression to make an end of sins. And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness in the righteousness of Christ. To seal up the vision and prophecy. This is the prophecy and the vision that every man God called to be a prophet to preach or teach about the coming of Christ and today about the finished work of Christ. They all sought for that. Is sealed up and to anoint the most holy, which certainly was Christ. Of which salvation, eternal life, the prophets have inquired. Who did they inquire to? Lord, tell me. Lord, help me. Lord, reveal this unto me. Every good gift, your food, your clothing, the rain, every good gift, And every perfect gift, Christ, the church, faith, salvation, cometh down from the Father above. Of which salvation 
The prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Now you hear this. Lord, help me to be simple. Every single child of God, every single child of grace, everyone the Father gave the Son, everyone the Son died for, everyone contained in the covenant of grace will stand without sin in heaven and immortal glory and never die. But this has come unto you. Those before prophesied of this. Those before that were among God's elect will stand in heaven in immortal glory. Many of them call to teach of what you have today. Let me make this brief. There are many that are not in the church that are God's children. There are many that have never heard the sound of the Gospel that are God's children. I'm going to make a point with this. There are those in times when transportation was hard and communication was nigh on impossible. In other places where the church was not. Who have never heard the name Jesus Christ that stand among the elect of God from every nation, kindred, and tongue, and people, and they will stand in heaven and immortal glory because the Father gave them to the Son and the Son died for them. And they will be raised up. There are many that live in rebellion their entire life who may not know God until the moment of death and they will stand with Christ in eternal glory. But you listen to this text. These prophets prophesied searching of the grace that should come unto you. This grace is the grace of the kingdom. This grace is the knowledge of Christ. This grace is in the New Testament church which the Old Testament prophesied of. This grace is, this, this grace is the manifestation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, which comes through the preaching of the Gospel in the Scripture and by the Spirit of God which God gave to men, sinful men, most of them dark, wicked, vile, because God polished them and shines them. Peter, James, John, rough, hard men, and Christ is glorified. But you have 
They were searching what or what manner of time. When was this going to happen? Seventy weeks, the Lord told Daniel. 490 years. And by the way, that was 490 years of darkness with no vision. Searching what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who? Christ, which was in them, those holy men of God. Well, look how good they were. Yeah, look at how good they were. They were better than me, that's for certain, but they were still sinners. Elijah, after being blessed of God to see the destruction of Ahab and Jezebel, was hiding in a cave. Where was his faith? This was a man, flesh and blood. That's our nature. Lord, they seek my life. I'm the only one left. They've killed everybody else. I think it was Ben mentioned yesterday, Lord told him, I have reserved unto Myself. Who are they for? Myself, God. 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Where was Elijah's faith? Hiding in a cave. What did God say? What doest thou, Elijah? Get up and go do what I told you to do. Go get up and do what I sent you to do. And there's the meat of what we're to do, as Steve was telling us, is to obey God. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, holy men of God, as they penned the Holy uh, the Scripture, the Holy Writ, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand, Noah a preacher of righteousness. It said, Enoch pleased God, for he walked with God, and God took him. We see in many places, he was a preacher. He was one that walked with God. The Spirit of God in them all testifying beforehand of the suffering of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, it was not for them to stand in and to fully understand. Job 19. Job said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that He shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And even though my skin worms have destroyed this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Job knew that that day was coming. He knew that his Redeemer was alive. He knew that his Redeemer was there. He knew that the day of redemption, for he knew he was a sinner, and he knew that the day of redemption would come. But he would not stand in it while he lived on this earth. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, the New Testament church, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you 
by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Okay. What do they preach? Back up to the 11th verse. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. We know and understand the Trinity. We know the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. We know that Christ was in this world as a pre-incarnate Son of God. We can point to places where that is proven in Scripture. But we also full well know that He's the Son of God. He's the second person of the Godhead. We know He's the same in power and deity and righteousness and pureness and holiness. Christ above all creation talked last week or week before about all this telescope they've got seeing all this new things they've never seen before in space and the Voyager leaving our universe and going on forward and seeing things that men have never seen before. And now they're saying, yes, there's a Creator. Christ is past all that because He's far above all things in eternity. He's the Son of God. He's the righteousness of God. He's the royalty of God. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, let this sink in. This living Word of God was made flesh. For what purpose? To suffer. Acts chapter 1, we read after His passion. After His death, burial, and resurrection. After His passion. It was His passion. It was His desire with great anticipation and longing to die for those the Father gave Him. Let's talk briefly, and I don't have much time. We'll pick this up next week because I have taken too long to get here. So you blame that on me. But let's think about the suffering of Christ. In the first place, very briefly, He laid aside the glory of the Godhead and was born in this world in the body of a man in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. He bore a body of man who were less than the angels in might and power. Christ came into the world to me. To me. That shows great suffering. He was rejected of His own. One of the greatest things that hurt us emotionally in this world is to be rejected. This is the very Son of God who came into this world to save His people from their sins, yet they were blinded and they knew it not. He was rejected of His own. There's a great suffering. Judas, Iscariot, betrayed Him with a kiss, a great suffering. In the garden, the emotional trauma 
to where he had sweating as great drops of blood. It was not blood, it was sweat. There was no redemption in the garden. Redemption came on the cross, but that heresy aside. He sweated as great drops of blood. Cut yourself and watch the blood come out. That's expressing how what great anxiety was upon the man who could feel and suffer. Jesus Christ as He profusely sweated in anxiety. Nonetheless, Father, Thy will not mine be done. He was betrayed. He was delivered. A mock trial. A crown of thorns placed upon His head. Beaten. Scourged. Spit upon. When I pick this up next week, we're going to Isaiah 52 probably because He was beaten beyond recognition. This is the Son of God. This is the second person of the Godhead. Isaiah 53 says, because it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. Now you stop and think about how great God loves you. My goodness. This is why we take communion. This is why we try to show the Lord's death until He come. He was scourged, was beaten, was crucified, was mocked. Hebrews says He endured the cross, but watch this, yet despised the shame. You think about the pain. Bearing shame was the worst of it to our holy, righteous God because He loved you. He bore your shame. He, we did not kill Him. They pierced His side. Out came blood and water which is why we find in 1 John there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit of God, the water and the blood that came forth from His side. And these three agree in one. What do they agree on? That the Son of God laid down His life for His people. For those the Father gave Him for those He loved, for those that will stand in heaven in immortal glory. And to you, child of God, in this kingdom of God that He's given us in this dark, evil world where we may worship Him and fellowship and love Him and love each other. He's given that knowledge to you. We'll pick it up next week. It's 12. May God bless.